All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Joey Fight. I'm the founder of thephysicaleducator.com and a PE instructional coach here in Nova Scotia, Canada. Welcome back to the Phys Ed Show. If this is your first time listening in, I just want to say thank you for sharing some of your time, your energy, and your attention here with me today. I am super pumped to have you here. If you're new to this, this the Phys Ed Show is a place where I aim to share ideas, stories, and practices that can just help inspire your teaching as a physical and health educator. And in today's episode, I want to talk about what PE teachers can learn from one of the best performing Olympic nations in history. So let's dive in. So the 2022 Olympic Winter Games in Beijing are underway. And as I record this, Norway is at the top of the medal standings. Again, Norway is a bit of an anomaly. It's a relatively small country at just 5.3 million people, which is just a bit more than South Carolina and just a bit less than Minnesota's total population sizes. It's also less in the greater Toronto area. In fact, in terms of population sizes, Norway only ranks 119th in the world. Yet, somehow, it's an Olympic beast. Prior to the Games in Beijing beginning, Norway had 368 medals at the Winter Olympics. 132 gold, 125 silver, and 111 bronze. That count makes them the most decorated nation in Winter Olympics history, ahead of the United States' 305 medals and Germany's 240. And for any fellow Canadians listening, we clock in at number 5 with uh, 199 medals. So what's going on here? What makes Norway so insanely successful at the Olympics? And more importantly, what can we as physical educators take away from their approach? Earlier this year, I read an article in the Global Mail that broke down the Norwegian Olympic phenomenon. In the article, the author attributes Norway's success to the country's belief in the joy of sport for all, an approach to youth sport that encourages participation over elitism, and it aims to produce responsible citizens, not just great athletes. Now, for obvious reasons, I was curious about this, so I dug a little deeper into the official documents that outlined the idea, and honestly... It's pretty amazing. The joy of sport for all isn't so much a policy as it is a spirit in which all sport policies in Norway are written. At the organizational level, it values things such as volunteerism, democracy, loyalty, and equality. And at the activity level, it aims to promote joy, unity, health, and honesty. One of my favorite quotes from the document really does a great job of summing it all up. It reads, We have succeeded only when everyone feels welcome. And when the spirit of community and the true joy of sport characterize the day-to-day activities in the local sports clubs. Now, if the joy of sport for all seems very child-centric, that's because Norway's children's rights in sport serve as its foundation. These rights, and there are seven of them, they seek to protect children as they experience sport at various levels. So let me listen for you along with the descriptions that I pulled directly from Norway's uh, documentation. So the first right is safety. Children have the right to practice in an environment that is safe and secure without any inappropriate pressure or exploitation. Next up is friendship. Children have the right to participate in training and competitive activities which are designed to help develop friendship and solidarity amongst them. Third on the list is competency. Children have the right to experience the feelings of competency and to learn a varied skill set. Next is influence. 
children have the right to express their own opinions and their opinions should be considered. Number five is freedom to choose. Children have the right to choose which sport or how many sports they wish to participate in. Children also have the right to determine how much they wish to practice their sport. Six is competitions for all. Children have the right to choose whether they would like to participate in competitions and should have equal opportunities to participate. And finally, the last right on the list is on the children's terms. Children have the right to participate in training and competition activities that are suitable to their age, physical development, and maturation levels. If you want to learn more about these rights, be sure to check out the show notes blog post that I made to go along with this podcast. You can find the link to it in the episode's description. But what's important to know is that Norway works to make sure that these rights are embedded in every child's sporting experience. And these, ef- these efforts are they're obviously worthwhile. Not only is Norway incredibly successful at the Olympics, but 80% of Norwegian children aged 6 to 12 participate in one or more sports. So what can physical education learn from Norway's approach to supporting and celebrating youth in sport? How can their approach, which is obviously successful on a variety of levels, be broken down in such a way that it can inform our pedagogical practices? These are the questions I spent some time reflecting on, and in my opinion, it all boils down to the following six takeaways. So the first takeaway is create a positive learning environment. One of the keys to Norway's success is its focus on developing a positive, healthy environment at all levels of sport. I've said this before, but a purposely crafted classroom environment acts as an additional educator in your lessons. It reminds your students what responsible behaviors look like, it gives them the courage to take risks in their learning, and it provides them with the strength they need to pick themselves back up whenever they find themselves face-to-face with adversity or even failure. As physical educators, our focus should always be on creating a positive learning environment for every child and youth that walks into our gym. All students should feel that they are welcome, safe, and able to achieve success in PE. And those things don't just happen on their own. They're the products of intentional, purposeful action. Actions such as building meaningful relationships with your students, leading with warmth and caring, and encouraging students to make mistakes as they learn. Some of these actions may seem or feel small, but just know that they have a compound effect over time and can drastically change the way that your students feel in phys ed. So the second takeaway I took from this this deep dive into Norway's approach was to help foster connectedness. We should always help our students develop positive social connections by providing them with opportunities to develop social skills, social awareness, and conflict resolution strategies. Now, a great way to achieve this is by baking meaningful social and emotional learning experiences into our lessons. By doing so, we can help our students develop feelings of trust, respect, and belonging in our programs, all of which will only help them have a great time with their classmates and also contribute to the success that they'll experience in their learning. I'd also encourage you to look into adopting teaching models that promote social interaction, such as cooperative or jigsaw learning. These types of strategies can help every student feel that they are a valued member of their classroom community, which not only supports connectedness, but can also work wonders for boosting students' motivation in class. The third takeaway I identified was to differentiate our instruction. 
Differentiated instruction helps every student experience success in PE. And there are a variety of strategies that we can use to do this. There are actually two that I would recommend that you would start with if you're not sure where to, where to begin. First off, setting clear learning targets in our lessons can help both you and your students stay on the same page. If you both know what it is that you're working towards, then it makes it easier to communicate what is needed in order to help get you there. Remember that there are many paths to reaching a goal, and one of our jobs as educators is to find the right path for each student. The second strategy I would recommend involves upping your formative assessment game. Formative assessment can help you identify where your students are at in their learning progress, which puts you in a better position to understand what they need to keep moving forward. Again, check out the show notes for additional links that can help you out in this area. I know that formative assessment is something that a lot of educators, especially physical educators, we struggle with because we haven't received the right kind of PD or the support that we need. But again, just by making small incremental changes in that area, you can see a massive impact on not only your your teaching practices, but also the success rate of your students. Really, ultimately, what we want is we want to ensure that our approaches are designed to meet the developmental, emotional, and physical needs of our students. And differentiated instruction can help us achieve this. The fourth takeaway I identified was to support student autonomy. Providing students with opportunities to exercise their autonomy by promoting voice and choice, it can go a long way in helping sure that every student feels that they can thrive in PE. Also, if you're feeling brave, consider inviting your students to share their thoughts on your curriculum. And when possible, allow them, how to, uh, allow them to choose how to demonstrate mastery in your lessons. I know that oftentimes, you know, we have constraints such as like time and, and the amount of students in our classrooms. But giving students that kind of voice is an incredible way to empower them and to allow them to tap into their own autonomy and take charge of their learning in PE. Autonomy is one of the three pillars of self-determination theory, which helps us make sense of how motivation works. And there are a lot of different ways to support student autonomy in our lessons. I'd recommend that you check out the latest blog post I just wrote on student motivation, which I linked in the show notes, to find some really specific strategies that you can be using to support autonomy in your teaching. Takeaway five is to focus on accessibility. So, Take some time to reflect on the barriers that may exist in your physical education or school sport programs and do the work to try and remove those barriers for your students. To help with that identification process, what I'd recommend is you survey your students to learn what is impeding their participation. I used to share this end-of-year anonymous survey with my grade 6 students who were the oldest kids I taught and also they were the students who had experienced my teaching the most over the years. I taught them in grade one, two, three, and then six. The feedback I got from those surveys wasn't always easy to read. There were definitely a lot of ways that my students felt that my program, which I poured my heart and soul into, could have been better. That said, there were very few examples of things that students shared with me that weren't true. I just wasn't paying close enough attention. The more that we are willing to listen, the faster we can improve. It can be so easy to overlook a blatantly obvious barrier simply because we forget to look at our programs through the eyes of its end users, our students. By keeping students involved and at the heart of our teaching, we can ensure that every kid can get the most out of PE. 
Finally, the sixth takeaway I identified is to keep joy in physical education. Joy is essential to meaningful experiences in phys ed, and early meaningful experiences in PE play an important role in lifelong engagement in physical activity. With the pressures of, of things like grading and schedules and everything else that teachers have to manage, it can be easy to lose sight on making sure that our students are experiencing as much joy as possible in physical education. And again, if you're unsure whether or not you're teaching sparks joy, talk to your students. Show them that you care enough about the experiences, uh, about their experiences, that you're willing to hear the hard things and make the necessary changes. By doing so, you can keep joy at the heart of all that you do in PE and help your students thrive. All right, it's time to wrap this up. I know it's a short one, but I want to try and get more episodes out like this where I, I hit you with some ideas quick and let you, you think about them and get back to me on them. The reality is that what makes Norway so successful is the same thing that makes great PE programs so exceptional. They both remember to cherish children and youth and keep kids at the center of their own experiences. Working from a clear vision of what we want for kids and a willingness to do the hard work, we can move mountains as educators. So let's focus on making sure that every child and youth gets the most out of PE so that they can go out and get the most out of life. I hope that this episode gave you some ideas on how to bring the joy of sport for all to your teaching. And if you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate if you do two simple things for me. First off, leaving a rating and a review goes a long way in helping others discover the podcast. More listeners means bigger and better things for the show, so I'd be very, very grateful for your help there. Second, let me know about what you thought about the episode by sharing your takeaways on social media. I'm most active on Twitter, but you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. I shared a link to my social profiles in the episode description. And that's it. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to hang with me here. Um, I hope that you learned something. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. But if you'll excuse me, I have some Olympics to go watch and cheer Canada on because we got some medals to earn still. Thanks again for listening and happy teaching, everybody.